The slam of the gavel was audible outside the meeting. It could be heard all throughout town hall. I call this special session to order, said the mayor. I want to welcome all of you. Tonight, we are going to discuss this evil that has infested our city. I've asked Police Chief Davis to be here and answer any questions you might have. Right now, the chair acknowledges Councilwoman Wilson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I wish to address the plague of immorality, disrespect, and Satanism that has infested our town. I grew up here, and it was a wholesome place, a place to raise a family. We didn't lock our doors. Neighbors looked out for each other. That doesn't happen today. I've heard rumors that our family pets are being sacrificed by a group of people from this very town. Vandalism is on the rise, with pentagrams showing up everywhere. I want to protect our town and our children. I know we can't affect everyone, but we can't control what comes in our town. I plan to form a committee for the betterment of morality and the spiritual health of our children. The committee will review items sold in town and books in our libraries, and properly dispose of satanic materials. I want to start with the record stores that sell satanic music from bands like ACDC, which stands for Antichrist, Devil Cult, and KISS, which stands for Kids in Satan's Service. Just to name a few. This evil is everywhere, and we need to stop it before it infects our children. The councilwoman concluded. The mayor then announced that they would take questions and comments from the gallery. Welcome to Quill and Dagger. My name is Jay, and uh, if you don't like the first one, second one's on the house. We'll keep giving you one every week. All you got to do is subscribe, and you'll get it automatically. Follow us. We'll chase you around. We'll just be everywhere. Maybe one day we'll make stickers, and you can put it on your car, and it says Quill and Dagger with a little quill and a dagger. That'd be amazing. But like us on your devices, uh, whether it's Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, whatever it is, give us five stars because we want to be known. We have important messages to share. Talk to us, comment, let us know what you think. Now let's get back to it. We're going to talk about the satanic panic, if you hadn't figured that out. So, I believe we left off with the original Karen. It seemed like the public mass or mob was determining factor at who decided what was evil. Churches would have record-burning parties. The concept of a Christian worldview began to take shape. This wasn't a new thing. America needs a good villain. We always, always have needed a good villain. From the Salem witch trials, colonists in the British, communists in America, Nazis in America, and Satan in America. All of these examples were started with the misguided attempt to be good. But all they created was worse. People died. People went to prison. They lost everything. The accusations were vague and made no sense, but that was enough to convict someone. People began to not share their thoughts on unpopular topics for fear of being singled out and charged. The satanic panic of the 80s and 90s came at a time of media growth and the 24-hour news cycle, and something had to fill those airwaves. There are many arguments as to where and when the panic began. All of them have points, but for me, it began 
with the publication of the 1980 book Michelle Remembers by Lawrence Padzer. In the book, he details the story of a patient, Michelle Smith, an adult who underwent more than 600 hours of hypnosis to recall long repressed memories of being involved in a satanic cult as a child. Her stories of abuse, sacrifice, and demonic rituals. The book caused the public to take notice and seemed to validate as a chronicle of horrific underground movements. The media fueled the fire by seeking out possible abuses, and no one was safe. In October 1978, McDonald's, McDonald's, yes, that McDonald's, they felt compelled to publicly announce that franchise founder Ray Kroc was not financially supporting the Church of Satan. Ray Kroc and McDonald's, that incident began in Ohio at a church, a church of God in Akron. You see, a parishioner told the Reverend McFarland that she saw Ray Kroc admit to being a supporter of the Church of Satan on the Phil Donahue show. The Reverend took her at her word since he didn't see the show, so he did the logical thing and wrote about it in the church newsletter. Soon the story was, in other words, viral. It was in other newsletters it spiraled out of control and with some believing that the Church of Satan was getting 50% of McDonald's profits. It got so bad that McDonald's sent representatives across the country to speak at churches. Several other big companies were affected by the rumors of Satan worship also. Then came the, what about the children? Yes, the what about the children cry. Parents were looking everywhere for the devil. And guess what? If you look hard enough, you will find it. Or interpret something and add new meaning to it. Some of the best cases are cartoons and toys. They were no different. Thundercats reported to promote Eastern mysticism. The He-Man and Snake Mountain playset invoked demonic imagery because it came with a microphone that deepened your voice. It made it sound deeper so you were demonic. And then there were the Smurfs. They're blue with black lips. They could be undead. Can you imagine the Walking Dead? I mean, the Walking Smurfs? Little blue undead wearing only white pants attacking the world. I mean, they're like 12 inches tall, right? Anyway... Back to the ridiculous Rainbow Bright. Rainbow Bright was thought to be a worshiper of Satan because her beauty mark on her cheek was a pentagram. But no toy suffered more than the role-playing game Dungeons and Dragons, a game, played, a game played completely in a make-believe world, but there were monsters, sorcerers, and magic. I remember being told that uh, every box was joined with a demon so the new owner would become possessed when they opened the box. I had to buy my set in secret. Uh, I was not possessed. The tragic story of James Egbert, a 16-year-old University of Michigan student who disappeared, stirred up panic to a new level. The authorities searching for James heard he liked Dungeons and & Dragons and thought he got lost in the steam tunnels under the school while playing a game. This isn't what happened at all. James committed suicide. Looking back, it is believed that the stress of being at college at the age of 16 and not being able to deal with the mental health issues that had persisted in him was the true cause. They made a movie about this and the idea of a demonic game was kept alive. Then there's the back masking or listening to records backwards and finding hidden messes. It's actually impossible to do this, but 
that didn't stop concerned parents from burning records and banning their cell in their towns. Now, this is some crazy stuff, but it gets worse. The panic caused actual damage to some lives of real people. The most famous is the McMartin Preschool in Manaheim Beach, sorry, Manhattan Beach, California, executed by the Los Angeles District Attorney, Ira Rayner. Members of the McMartin family who operated a preschool were charged with hundreds of acts of sexual abuse of children in their case. Accusations first appeared in 1983. Arrest and pretrial investigation lasted until 1984. And the trials, yes, the trials, ran from 1987 to 1990. By the end of the case, the longest and most expensive series of criminal trials in American history, this case became the longest and most expensive series of criminal trials in American history. It fell into the daycare abuse hysteria and cemented satanic ritual abuse in the minds of Americans. You see, in 1983, one of the mothers of a student reported to the police that her son had been sodomized by her estranged husband and also by McMartin teacher Ray Bucky. Bucky is the grandson of founder Victoria McMartin and son of administrator Peggy McMartin. Johnson's belief that her son had been abused began when her son had painful bowel movements. It hurt to poop. So what happened? The next it is, is still in question. Some say the child confirmed the abuse, and some say that he did not confirm abuse. Either way, Johnson made several more accusations, including that people at the daycare were into bestiality. Apparently, Peggy drilled a child under the, her arms with, I don't understand that, drilling a child under the arms, and Ray could fly. Yes, Ray could fly. So Miss Johnson went to the police and... This is where it gets... I mean, if you thought Ray could fly, it was bad, but the police then sent a form letter to about 200 parents of students at the McMartin School stating that their children might have been abused and asking the parents to ask their children some questions. Now, I'm going to read you this letter because it is unbelievable to me that this happened. I mean, this is such a prejudicial thing. I mean, the entire case should have been thrown out based on this letter alone. But, as you know, it wasn't. And as I read it, you know, think about what your reaction would be if you had a child or had a child that went to the McMartin Preschool or any preschool at this time and you, and you get it, it's okay. September 8th, 1983. Dear Parent, This department is conducting a criminal investigation involving child molestation. Ray Bucky, an employee of Virginia Martin's Preschool, was arrested September 7th, 1983 by this department. The following procedure is obviously and unpleasant, but to protect the right of your children as well as the rights of the accused, this inquiry is necessary for a complete investigation. Records indicate that your child has been or is currently a student at the preschool. We are asking your assistance in this continuing investigation. Please question your child to see if he or she has been a witness to any crime or if he or she has been a victim. Our investigation indicates that possible criminal acts include oral sex, fondling of genitals, buttocks, or chest area, and sodomy, possibly committed under the pretense of taking the child's temperature. Also, photos may have been taken of your children without their clothing. 
any information from your child regarding ever observing Ray Bucky to leave a classroom alone with a child during any nap period, or if they have ever observed Ray Bucky tie up a child is important. Please complete the enclosed information form and return it to this department. In the enclosed stamp return envelope, soon as possible, we will contact you if circumstances dictate. We ask you to please keep this investigation strictly confidential because of the nature of the charges and the highly emotional effect it could have on our community. Please do not discuss the investigation with anyone outside your immediate family. Do not contact or discuss the investigation with Raymond Bucky, any member of the accused defendant's family, or employees connected with the McMartin Preschool. The letter continues with this, and it's written in all caps, so it's like they're yelling this. There is no evidence to indicate that the management of the Virginia McMartin's Preschool had any knowledge of the situation, and no detrimental information concerning the operation of the school have been discovered during this investigation. Also, no other employee in the, in the school is under investigation for any criminal act. Now, if you got that letter, what would, oh my God, what would you be thinking? I mean, wow, that, wow, wow. That's all I got to say. Wow, for the police to send that letter out saying that this could have happened to your child, I mean, you'd go nuts. You would just go absolutely crazy. I would, I would just be like, what is going on? I'd get in the car and go see the police myself and be like, explain this. Explain this now. What, what are you doing? Where is this guy? Can I see him? You know, what? it's crazy. Now, on a side note, uh, Miss Johnson, who was the first to report the incidents to the police, uh, her son had been that her son was sodomized. That's Miss Johnson. She's the one that started this, and she was later diagnosed and hospitalized for acute paranoid schizophrenia in 1986, and was found dead in her home from complications of chronic alcoholism. And that was before the uh, preliminary hearings ever concluded. So she never found out what happened in this case. Now, this case stretched out for almost a decade and included two trials before everyone was acquitted. In the end, Ray Bucky spent five years in jail without ever being convicted of a crime. Five stars on your uh, platform of choice and check out our Patreon page where every little bit helps. Give me some comments, ask questions, and tell me your stories or request topics. All the links are in the show notes. So, you know, have a great day and we'll, we'll talk to you later.